Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lay. Sir. Yeah. What up, everybody? How we doing? Kevin Owens here, the Matchup Zone. Overseas basketball talk. Today we will be joined uh, by Rod Benson. Should be a lot of fun today. Uh, Rod is the pioneer of overseas basketball blogging and uh, should be a lot of fun. John, what's up, man? Not too much, brother. Just uh, hanging out on a beautiful uh, fall Saturday morning, raking a shit ton of leaves. Yep. So that's good times as usual. I feel like I want to (laughs) die. Man, I don't know. Do you have trees at your house? I got so yeah, many trees. A, yeah, it's it's it gets pretty it gets pretty crazy. They all come down at the same time, and the wind the windstorm the other day uh, definitely did its number and knocked the knocked them all down. So I can kind of at least get them up in one swoop, which is uh, definitely a huge thing. So I did all mine the other day, and of course now the windstorm came, and now they're all back all over my yard. I'm like, well, <laughs> that was uh, eight hours well spent, but uh, yeah. You know, other than that, things are good, brother. It's a bright, shining day. Another day, uh, you know, with the matchup zone. Excited to hear about Rod. I looked a little bit up uh, about him yesterday when uh, you and I were talking. When we were we were recording a little uh, Mr. Kevin Owens uh, audio book. What's That's... up? What's up with the with the book update, Mr. Owens? So crazy. Uh, or first off, the the audio book is the hardest thing. Like, I apparently uh, I can't <laughs> read because it's really hard uh if you've never recorded yourself reading something it's hard because you'll slip up everything has to be enunciated perfectly like here i'll just be like just like verbal diarrhea and whatever you know it's a podcast who gives a shit the book is uh, a completely different completely different animal you have to be so perfect every line has to be so enunciated every line has to be uh so perfect uh, I was told, you know, you know, uh, you, you kind of come off sounding like Joey Tribbiani from uh, when he was trying to do Bamboozled. Yes. It was like, it was like, <laughs> like uh, let's play Bamboozled. And yes. it was just like everything. I'm just trying to be like, and we're going to enunciate this. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I was like trying to find that happy medium bef- between me talking and enunciating. But fuck, it's hard. And like, I, I'm running out of breath. I'm like, you know, John's sitting there recording me and I'm, I'm, going and i'm like <gasps> and even when i'm recording i'm like listening back i'm like shit like it's just like me being like, <sighs> like the entire time i'm like oh my god that's that's gonna be a treat for the for the people who buy the audiobook to listen to my snoring into the phone 
Well, what do, so, what do we, we got 56 minutes of audio on chapter one. Yeah, that's how Which long will probably cut down to like 20. Just so yeah, we all know. That's how, many, <laughs> that's how many times I fucked up is 56 <laughs> minutes cut down to 20 because I was just like going over lines over and over again. And you know what I've realized? I do a lot of run-on sentences. So when I'm going through this, I'm like, shit, that's a lot of run-on sentences uh, because you would be like, start at the front beginning of the sentence. And I'd be like, damn, I messed up in the last word of like a, a nearly paragraph long sentence. And I'm like, and then you start getting your head. And you're like, all right, don't fuck this one up. Don't fuck it up. And you start going, you're like, damn it. It's a psychological game you get in your head. Because it was funny. It is. When, I was, like, when, I was, when I was editing the prologue, you would like go back and you would like start saying a word that I couldn't just could like cross, yeah. like, you know, put together, you know. Uh, but uh, let me tell you, man, for those of you who are uh, looking forward to this book, uh, it is, it is, it's a good read. Um, uh, Kevin sent it uh, to me and uh, a couple friends of mine and we're, we're reading it and, uh, and I'm getting the opportunity to listen to him narrate it. And uh, this is not just a book about, you know, uh, overseas basketball in the fact that it's like, he's not talking about uh, what a guard does when the point guard is uh, uh, left-handed or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's talking about um, just the, the experience and uh, and I do see uh, that Kevin is rocking some a new T-shirt over there. Kevin, you yeah. want to say a little something about that T-shirt because that is hot, and I, and I need to get my hands on one. Yeah, so um, it's crazy because you know we've been working. Uh, Michaela also works in the podcast as well. Uh, she runs our social media department. So we, it's like John produces. I you know sit here and fuck things up and then Michaela uh goes on social media and does all that stuff so it's she's kind our of, boss now <laughs> yeah she's pretty much she's just like she's like do this I'm like okay so uh what we ended up doing is we were talking and I saw a shirt and I was like like looking for different things and I was like no it'd be great fun if there was a shirt that said like overseas famous because I was like the way I said it I was like I'm not famous like I can go into uh like like wawa right now and people are like who the fuck is that like they're like you're tall you must do something but they're like they have to ask like, like if joel Embiid walked yeah if, if joel Embiid <laughs> walked into wawa people would be like there's joel Embiid." when i walk in they're like this guy must be doing something famous because he's so big he must have played best but they don't know who the fuck i am so but when i'm in other countries like i would walk around and people would be like i know you you play for this team. You play, you're Kevin Owens, like this, this. So I wasn't, I'm not famous here, but I'm overseas famous. So uh, I came up with a, with a t-shirt line, um, sweatshirts, hats, uh, things like that. And the whole entire brand is overseas famous. And I think that's like the brand that I'm going with in terms of uh, it's going to be like the book, everything, the podcast, yeah. everything's going to kind of fall under the roof of like overseas famous. So that's kind of where we're going. We're in the grassroots. It's the first time I've worn this shirt today. Uh, usually I sweat a lot in the podcast, so I'm trying not to get it so so soaked that I can actually wear it later on today, but God only knows because I'm <laughs> fucking sweater. Well, it looks good, brother. I dig it, and I, and I definitely think it, it connects to the book well because, like I said, at first I was like, all right, he's going to be writing about uh, the strategy of uh, some, like, uh, Korean basketball team in this game. And I was like, no, this is, like, this is reading for everyone. I think anyone – you know, would would be into the, into this this novel about what it's like to play overseas. So, 
we're looking forward to hearing more about all that stuff. And I did, I uh, wanted to, I want to give Michaela another shout out. Michaela was actually one of my students at Cherry Hill High School West. I met her because she's an incredible, uh, actual, actually a singer. And uh, then we parted ways. She graduated, you know, and like six years later, I started, you and I started thinking about bringing on someone, you know, uh, on the, on this, uh, as a, as a PR type person. And, yeah. um, it's, it's funny if Rod's texting you, man, he was just in, I was just about to introduce him. So tell him to j- jump back in. But, uh, but yeah, Michaela Hall, she's uh, an incredible vocalist. Uh, she went off and I believe she studied at Duquesne. She studied like, um, uh, sports broadcasting and now she's getting her masters. I believe in probably something very, Michaela, don't yell at me, probably something very close to, um, uh, uh uh, public media something like that and she's basically like ruling the world over into Duquesne and uh we approached her we were like tell us what to do help us and she's an incredible addition to the team so we want to welcome uh, Michaela Hall to the team we hope to get her uh more involved uh you know we're, we've even talked about bringing her on the podcast yeah so we're, we're real excited about that did Rod hop back on yeah here he is you ready for oh, him? sweet sweet let's sweet. do it Let, let's get him in here let's get him in I was gonna say we were glitching on your uh, your video for a second there, Kev. On mine? Yeah. No, we're good Christ. now. Rod, What's can up, you hear Rod? us? How are you? Yo. What's going, What's going on? on? So, sorry, Rod. We, you know, we're we're dealing with some uh, tech stuff, and yeah, everything got haywire. Obviously, you know, the second before we go on. But you, you do told me this is a Mickey Mouse organization, man. That's a little bit. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, it is like you're to, you're you're legit dealing with like the grassroots overseas basketball bullshit podcast. So, well, can we all look at Rod's background? Like the, this man knows how to do it. Like he's got the spies. Yeah. Like that that's looking good, man. That's the next on our our thing, Kev. I got a, I got my dog in the background right now. Yeah, just, seriously, like, I got like. Drums. I got like a fucking basketball from high school behind me. Like, hey guys, check out my high school accomplishments. It's pretty cool. Yeah, well, this is uh, this is this is my uh, Zoom area for people I don't know. <laughs> Everyone else gets my living room. That's a great idea. <laughs> like, I don't want you people seeing what I'm doing. Also, you have the you have a very like ESPN background, right? It's like everyone who's on there. It's like here's the football helmet of the team I was on when we. Yep. I didn't start in the Super Bowl or whatever. I don't keep any of that stuff in my house. I think it's really, I don't know. I've got so much of it over time that I'm like, it's at my yeah. mom's house. She can have it all. <laughs> I can't believe people do like, I, no hate, but I'm no. like, why would I want like a monument to myself in my, well, it's, like it's taking up space for mother shit, I guess. <laughs> well, it's great. Well, like you have, because you are like an artist, which is like incredible because you have like original art behind you. And that's like, way cooler than yeah like i have uh, i have right here is like my daughter made me uh legos and it's got lego pieces and it's got all the marvel avengers and i'm just like that's adorable i think that would go good behind my zoom meetings for you know <laughs> podcasts well, and well now i can't meetings. stop looking at it kev like now i'm like what does he else does he have on his shelf over there i think we need to uh get a decorator in there yeah what, I what just do you think need Rod? To, yeah Maybe we get get you know, some you know of your you art. Like blur the background. Now you, I'm all conscious. Hold on, I'm gonna blur my background real quick. So Rod, kind of going into first off, um, you know, we talked last week, and I just want to jump off the bat because this shit is crazy. Like just the in, the craziness of going and getting you know PlayStations and Xbox and sneakers, 
it's become like a crazy business where people will just load up. I had a friend who was jumping on a server. He was trying to get one, but he was just trying to get one, but people order like 50 and then sell them, a, you know, for 500 or 2000 bucks online. Were you able to get a PlayStation five last week? So I have two PlayStation fives nice. because That's I spent the first couple days. I didn't get any of the, any legitimate ones. And then the prices were going up. So anyone who had a, I had a target number of 700. Uh-huh. Anyone who had that number, you know, it, it's crazy. It's like the wild West. Like you commit and someone would be like, Oh, I have a higher offer now. Can you match? So I committed to multiple like 10. Yeah. And ended up driving like basically a 60 mile radius around the city, which is in LA is basically like driving to Mexico. <laughs> and, and I just bought both. I'm like, in case one doesn't go through. Yeah. And so I have the other one sitting here and I'm like, well, shit, now I'm in the game. How much, how much you offer? Hell <laughs> <Now>, yeah. <laughs> take, take some off my first price. Exactly. Well, it's, it is, uh, I just think it's like crazy how, how like in demand and obviously, you know, they know what they're doing. Sony knows what they're doing. Uh, who the fuck makes Xbox? Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft. Yeah. They know what I they're doing. They, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Because the resale market for these has cost them tons of money. Like for uh, uh, video game manufacturers, at least in the past, I don't know about this new iteration, lose money on their consoles and they aim to make it up on their uh, game sales. So if they had charged a number that they don't lose money or if they had just produced a lot more, this wouldn't be an issue. But yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what their production lines look like, but triple the amount is triple the money for them because the yeah. demand is there and they're missing out. So knowing what they're doing is learning how to be bad at business. I got you, man. I, I totally agree. Like, I'm like, why don't you just make more? Like if we, if we can put out cars the way we put out cars, tell me we can't, we can't uh, get uh, PlayStations out there. I, I, I'm, I'm new to the video game genre. Uh, I haven't played forever, but I have two little boys and uh, my one son, you know, his birthday's coming up. So I'd spent like literally three hours the other day looking for a stupid uh, Nintendo Switch. Those you couldn't get a hold of last week. Like, wow. yeah, Target was sold out. Finally, uh, my girlfriend called BJ's, the wholesale club. And like, they had like a stockpile of them over there. And we're like, you got to yep. hold one for us. Yeah. And we're like, no, we have like 30. And I was like, oh. All right, well, I'll be in an hour, and I went over and picked one up. I was like, Jesus. Costco, man. And, and Costco. Costco. Yeah, that's the place. I guess people don't think to go there for their electronics, but I was just like, and, and then I was thinking about all you guys trying to get the, P- the PS5. I was like, uh, yeah, we're not doing that yet around my house. <laughs> I was trying to, I was in, I was so close to Costco coming through. I went to Costco. I went to eight websites that morning. Then my mom has the Costco number, because I'm not a Costco member, so I'm waiting for her <laughs> to text me back. Like, I'm in checkout. <laughs> That, this is like a 10 minute process. I get the number, enter it, enter it in. We're still good. We're still moving. <laughs> then the, the like checkout is buggy because there's too many people trying to get it. So I'm like refreshing the credit card information that finally goes through like, great. Uh, uh, and then it's like, Oh, actually, cause I didn't realize I bought something on Costco.com like years ago, your credit card information is expired. I'm like, Oh shit. I, yeah. This is from like 2014. Oh, shit. So I'm like looking around my house for my wallet for like 30 minutes and I cannot find it. And then I'm like, oh, is it in the car? Cause I golf a lot. So sometimes I leave it in my golf bag. 
go out there. It's like an hour process. Finally get it in, and it's like, oops, just sold out, guy. I was oh. like, no. <laughs> it's like a long thing to come up empty-handed. It's, I, I think, like, because I've been, I've been, you know, I, I've gotten into the sneaker game. It's fucking hard to get into something when you're so big. Like, so I'm, I wear a size 17 shoe. So, like, me being in the sneaker game, it doesn't make a lot of sense because, like, it's just like, oh, we have this release for these, like, ridiculously rare shoes, but they only go up to, like, 15. And I'm like, I mean, I could, guess I could squeeze in, but it's just, so it, I feel like that, market has taken off in the same way people are just buying them up and then just selling them on ebay and things like i go on ebay to try to find 17s and it's like it's you know the the prices are astronomical it's like two grand for a nice pay. i'm like damn so i'm just i'm on the other end of that just being like fuck like i you know like Man, I'm, if you're 17 I'm, you just gotta you gotta get out the game dog yeah i got <laughs> yes. it's like you got oddball.com and that's it that's yeah, all you got. Got. I'm gonna, like I'm gonna one start size of that flop. shoe, Kev. One yeah. size, or like one I, model. <laughs> exactly. It was so fun. Yeah, like there was one, like I got a random email one day and it was like Uggs and they're like, we finally have size 17. I was like, when the fuck did I ask them for size? It must have been like years ago that I would like, <laughs> like I was like, I want to get a pair of Ugg flip-flops. And now I'm like 40 years old. And I'm just like, I can't wear flip-flops. <laughs> like, So I'm just like, whatever. So it's... Uh, but the PlayStation is definitely interesting to kind of see how this whole market uh, has developed. And I'm glad you were able to get one, at least two. And now you can just like, yeah, you can, I was going to say a word that I shouldn't. Yeah. You can fuck someone over uh, with the, uh, <laughs> the next, uh, the next PlayStation you're going to, you can sell. I'm thinking about putting proud PS5 owner in all my online bios. I feel like it's right now it's hot. To say you own one, true. it's like, oh, sir, you own gold. <laughs> yes, Can you I get do. one of those, like, uh, like cool. on the back of the minivans where it's got, like, you and then your PS5, yeah. like the stick figure, and then a PS5 yeah. next to you? <laughs> yeah, you uh, just got to uh, get two PS5s. PS5 on board, maybe yes. a bunker sticker, <laughs> PS5 2020. Yeah, so many different options. So, Rod, going back into, you know, like, outside the, uh, you know, the market for, for video games, uh, the – the one reason I like was, you know, I followed you very early on. I was playing at the time and you were like the original pioneer. And when I started, when I was playing, I had a guy who was like, you should write because I did a lot of writing and stuff for him. Uh, and he's like, you should write. And he's like, here's who you need to look at. And I didn't know what Twitter was. He's just like, you need a Twitter account. I was like, what the, what? okay. And then he's like, follow this guy. And he said, Rod Benson. And I was like, okay. So I started following you and just, you know, your whole entire blog, like that whole setup, you were a pioneer of the whole entire blogging market for being a professional basketball player and showing what goes on behind the scenes and showing your style and your personality. Uh, and that was like the craziest thing. Like when did you kind of realize you could do this and like really be like, you know, do this to make good money. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I don't think anyone's made good money. No, I'm sorry, except sorry. For like Bill Simmons, but money. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I think it's like a, a lot of things where it's not, it isn't something until it is, you know, I didn't, I never got an A in an English class, maybe ever. I mean, one rhetoric class at Berkeley, maybe, and that's it. And so I actually didn't consider myself to be a good writer. I didn't consider starting a website to be a blog. I actually hated the term blog. Uh, I was just like, I'm starting a website. Nerds do blogs. I'm just going to have like hype shit on a page, you know, like, cause I, I had websites growing up all the time. I was, 
you know, GeoCities, all that stuff, going back to like fifth, sixth, seventh grade, like mid nineties. And so I was just like, I'm starting another one. Uh, but what I found quickly is that just having played college sports is people were like way more interested in the minutia of my existence than I thought they'd be. Because uh, really, I was just like, I actually called it too much Rod Benson because my friends would say that I talk too much and have too much preamble on every story. So I was like, you know, it's going to be something that to the eight friends that read this, like, really, Rod, you have, you have more to say? Like, yeah, I do. <laughs> if you want to check out my website. But uh, yeah, and then it just, it just, I also didn't realize how, how few professional athletes really express themselves. I mean, in college, you see it more. Like I was at Berkeley when Marshawn Lynch was doing the whole, you know, cart on the field and stuff like that, right? Like in college, a lot of guys really express themselves, but at the professional level, once money is involved, there's so many people telling them to just shut up. Uh, at least in my generation, that's really changed now. But so just that, those two things combined, there was literally nobody doing it. And I thought it was like more of like a joke. And so I didn't write anything that was very serious for a long time. Like the most popular thing I wrote was always uh, funny MySpace messages and people would just die. Like it's couldn't do it today. Cause it was everything about it was just fat shaming, homophobic. Like it was crazy. Like, I mean, I didn't think about it. I was like, Oh, this is just funny. A gay guy sending me a message. Like, let's make fun of him. Now I'm like, Oh no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it just, it just kept going, man. Until Larry Bird told me to stop. And then it kind of just came to like an end. That, so take us through that so you were you were told to just like you know chill because like you were you were just you know like you said you were writing things and people were like yo this is getting offensive so like talk us through that conversation no no nobody actually said it was offensive for the time it wasn't like they couldn't redo the office now either right because oh, back totally then agree. it was perfect like it, yeah. it was like that kind of humor yeah because um, i was really influenced by that but just so, yeah, anyone listening, I'm not a crazy person. I was with the times a little bit. Uh, but the, um, yeah, I was with the Pacers in camp. And uh, like day two, some, some like interns, like, you, you know, Larry Bird wants to have a meeting with you. And I'm like, they're really nice about cutting people here. Like, this is insane. <laughs> There's no way... I should have a conversation with Larry Bird ever. It's like someone in making biscuits talking to the Colonel. It doesn't like, like why? There's no reason for this conversation. And, uh, and so I'm sitting there and he's just like, it's like a 20 minute meeting and 18 minutes of it is just him talking and telling these stories. Like, yeah, the mouse of the palace. That was crazy. Like Jamal Tinsley, boom, shot himself. So we can't have any distractions or anything crazy while you're here. We prefer you stop writing. And I, of course I did, like, I'm not going to not listen to Larry Bird, but yeah. also that that's how this stuff was perceived back then. Like the content wasn't considered to be a problem. It was the fact that somebody had a voice Yeah. and I understood it at some level because, you know, you want to be able to have painless transactions with the last guy on your roster. And if the last guy on your roster is a fan favorite, that makes it tougher. Cause I was like, there's this huge following of people like, emailing the Pacers like you got to keep Rod you got to keep Rod and they're like he's not really in our plans dog <laughs> so I don't know but it, it was never it was never about what I said at that in fact that day I'd written about steak and shake because I had it for the first time and I was mm. like guys this is delicious <laughs> try it that's no joke Rod that's no joke man 
that's it's that's like it's such an interesting thing because uh you, like you said before now everyone has a voice like your voices are are so crazy that like you know your your voice is magnified by the by the media like you say anything and it's like going to be perceived but like the the entire you know curtain was pulled back now on the nba on professional sports because everyone knows what you're doing at all times i mean trust me listen i grew up in philly uh, I'm a Sixers fan, so I see like I can't tell me you how many videos I've seen of Ben Simmons shooting a jump shot every off season. Like you see all that shit that you never saw. You see them working out in the off season, and then you know that's why I feel like the Ben Simmons hype is so crazy because he's getting such magnetized hate because he posts videos of himself shooting in a gym, and then they're like, "Well, why can't you shoot?" Like it's like it's like you're giving. And a, you give your voice, but you're giving an opinion now to every single person who now has their voice as well. And their voice is just going to be as loud as yours. It's like, a, you know, this whole entire issue. Uh, but like you were that first guy who like really started going and like giving that voice. And I think that's like an incredible thing. Like you, like you're, you at least should have like something behind, like a certificate behind you when you do these that just says like, I invented, like I threw the curtain back of the NBA, like eat shit, everyone. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't like really in the NBA, like long enough to have that type of impact at the same time, like Gilbert Arenas was doing something. Um, although I don't remember like really what it was specifically. It's just, I guess it's just interesting to me. And the part that I will, be proud of is just knowing that I believe I opened the door. Uh, I may not have been able to walk through it, but I opened it and here I am actually sincerely happy every time, like every draft, the players are just like so much more open and like care about like their education, care about their, how they're perceived, care about things that when I was coming up, it was like, if you're doing any of that shit, Literally, it's like, oh, you on that gay shit. Like anything that was different, oh, you on that gay shit. It's like, what? Because I, I said it like ping pong? Yeah, that's that gay shit, dog. <laughs> like, I guess. <laughs> so let's go into the D, uh, or let's, like, wait, because when you were in the, I, I can't stop calling it the D League, so I call it the D League, but when, when you were in the D League, was it the D League or the, was it the G League yet? It was still the D League, oh, it was, right? This is the D League. In fact, okay. I saw a picture of you that said Roanoke. I'm like, yeah, this guy yeah. knows. Yeah, this, this is great. That was like D-League. old school D League. Like that was, that was old school. And I feel like that, um, just kind of how the league has progressed because you were able to play in, the, in like the D League and then you were able to, did you play when it was the G League as well? When it like really, so like, because it's like I don't know when that date happened. When did I guess when Gatorade? It's like three like, years ago. Yeah, they're like we're gonna throw a bunch of money at this and make this like an actual thing. Because I guess you know when we were in the D League, I know even when you know the teams expanded a whole lot. When I was there, it was like there was like six teams, and we were all like in the southeast. It was like Roanoke and Fayetteville, North Carolina, and like. Then all of a sudden we were playing in Albuquerque and we're like, oh my gosh, we have to fly. Like we were just taking buses everywhere. It was crazy just to kind of see how big the league has developed. Uh, when you were there, did you get a feel that there was something happening, that it was changing, that it was getting bigger, that more people were noticing the D-League? Uh, honestly, yes. But to make it about me, I think that I was really <laughs> aiding in that. I don't think the D-League 
really got much coverage. There was like a couple other blogs like Ridiculous Upside. Yeah. And maybe Hardwood Paroxysm that would kind of follow the D-League a little bit. Um, but most people followed the D-League through my blog, I, I believe. I mean, yeah. especially once I was with Yahoo and J.E. Skeets. Yeah. You know, we had 15 million unique readers. The NBA didn't really do a lot of D-League promotion. Uh, and I, you were in the Southeast phase. I was probably two years later, which is like the Midwest phase. Yes. So yes. it was like all like the North Dakotas down to like Little Rock and all these teams. Uh-huh. Uh, and then it kept moving out West from there. But yeah, it, do, it didn't feel important. I remember some girl in like North Dakota called, called a semi-pro and I was like really upset by that. Yeah. Like not actually upset, but like, okay, I'm not spending semi time. I'm just yeah. getting semi paid, <laughs> which I don't like. <laughs> semi pro is such a, I feel like it's like a derogatory term towards like, like professional basketball. Like, dude, like, no, I play professional basketball. Like I'm getting paid to play a game. Like if this, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I don't have another, I'm not doing a side hustle when I'm like going into the arena and then I'm going and like doing something else in the morning. Like, I play professional basketball and right. I think, you know, that's what you're I think right. people think that. Yeah. I think when semi-pro like implies that like I work at seven 11, but also <laughs> I like get jumpers up at night. Like that's, that's not it at all. <laughs> not even close. Yeah. So going into, um, you know, obviously the biggest drawback of the D league or the G league Christ is uh, the money. And that was like the biggest kicker is you, you, and you know, having that NBA experience, the G league becomes like something that you're almost willing to sacrifice for. But there's a lot of guys I know who like never got, even got a shot, never had a workout, never had a training, never got invited to summer league who, you know, were in the D league for quite some time and just never had it. And I think that's just like the one thing it's like a career minor league guy. Like you, you just don't get paid enough. And at some point that decision needs to be made. Should I stay here or should I go overseas? And what was that decision like for you? Yeah, uh, I would say that I feel like those guys exist less now, but definitely in, in our time, there was, you know, mainstays that, yeah, just you wouldn't even see it summer league, just, but as a D-League all-star, I mean, not even all-star, just like a town local all-star. Um, for me, once, it, I mean, once it became clear that I wasn't going to get like a real, real shot, and a lot of that was related to the writing, um, then it was like, let's go get paid. And, yeah. you know, I, not everyone in the D league was fortunate enough to have the, the numbers to really leave. Uh, and especially to go somewhere and make good money. Like a lot of guys just go to Germany. Cause it's like, yeah. you know, like a, like a inner, like a stomping ground or like a, like a proving ground Germany and like Belgium. Yes. Uh, but that's like a process. That's like multi years before you'll get the the big paycheck. Yeah. Uh, and for me, like the years that I was, I was going to leave the D league in 09, but that's when the, the markets all crashed and then Europe went super dry. Yeah. And so I went, came back for one more year and then uh, knowing that I was going to go to Asia after that because their money never dried up. Never. Yeah. And then the, the target was China or Korea. And uh, I had offers for both, but, Korea had like kind of a trajectory that I saw as being a little bit better. So went there and stayed there for eight years. That's awesome. I mean, I had, I was in Korea for a year or 
less than a year, I tore my knee up. That's the one thing. Like, I have a, but I have an issue with Korea because uh, they, like, I don't think, like, if you get hurt, like, it's just pretty much like go f yourself, which is what happened to me, and then I got the go f yourself. But uh, yeah, like Korea, I feel like that's the big thing, big struggle between Europe. Like, you really have to prove yourself for quite some time before you can make that Korea money, that you know, China money, and like our careers are short so like you got to go get it when you get it yeah i mean there's a higher ceiling there if you're not talking china yeah uh but it's i don't think people realize like yeah you really no matter what you did in college i mean the best collegiate player might sign in you know italy's top division like the guy who just got cut last from training camp or something and then that's probably for like hundred and twenty thousand dollars it's i mean which is not chump change but it's really insignificant given that that talent level that he'll have to play two, three, four seasons before he's getting that five, six, seven hundred thousand dollar contract. And in that time, it's probably dealing with a lot of BS. <laughs> a lot of BS. I mean, Korea has its own BS, but yeah. I stayed because it's at least different. It's yeah, it's logical, it's stuff I understand, even if I don't like it. Yeah. The Europe BS is just like it's all over the place, it's team by team country by country and it's like it's all a mess as far as i'm concerned i could not have liked europe less yeah and i will say i feel like like i played in australia too and australia and asia there was a level of um you were gonna get paid like if you were playing for the team you were getting paid there was no games there was no nothing your paycheck was going to be there when it was supposed to be there i played in poland i played in uh other places and just like not getting paid like you just were just like waiting and waiting and that's when that bullshit starts because teams, it's just, it's a, it's a never ending story in European basketball of just like waiting for a paycheck and like how long, you know, like you don't know, like, are they going to pay you? Like you're, you're, you're trusting people you've never met before who don't really have your best interest in mind. So yeah, not- I played in Korea so long that I, I sometimes forget that as a qualifier for every agent says to their player before he sends them overseas is, Oh yeah, you know this pay, this pace will play you. Like this yeah. place will pay. You. Yeah, and it's like that that has to be said first because it's so often that there's gonna be something fugazi. Luckily, <laughs> I've never run into that, but something that happens where it's like, oh, you're just not gonna, you're yeah. just gonna go home. Like, yeah. yeah, I guess so, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and like the the agents, it's gotta be like a nightmare. But I know my agent was like, stay there, and then you're like, what? Like, and then like they're just like, well. There's, they said I can't stay in the apartment anymore. And they're like, no, just stay there. And they're like, what the fuck? Like, what am I doing? Like, you're just torn and everything. Like, those, I think, like, the safety net of those places is so much different than, like, just the, the like you said, it's the Wild West. Like, you don't, yeah. you don't know anything. Like, you have no idea what's coming or going. And it's nuts. I feel like agents, the stay there comment really resonated because it's, like, so many different times in my, like, probably three or four times where I'm like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> stay where? What do you mean? <laughs> What do you actually mean? Like, I think the first time I was supposed, I was supposed to do, instead of Indiana that year, I was supposed to play with the Suns. And I was in Phoenix and walking to whatever their arena is from the hotel to have the first day of training camp. My agent calls me. He's like, where are you? I'm like, what do you think? I'm going to training camp. It's day one. <laughs> he's like, stop, go back to the hotel. I'm like, wait, why? He's like, Oh, there's there's something better in Indiana. And I was like, are you being serious? Like, I'm supposed to be there in like 10 minutes. He's like, don't worry about it. Don't go. Just go back to the hotel. So I have all this anxiety. Like, 
he better be right. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm walking away from, like, I can see the arena. It's waiting for me. <laughs> and you want me to just go back to the hotel that they're paying for. And I hope everything is still okay. Like, I don't have any money. How is this yeah. supposed to work? It's, I feel like basketball in general, it's the only, th- I mean, like, you are trusting completely your life with, like, adults. Like, in college, you go through and you're just like, like, you're, you're I was 17 years old, no, 16 years old when I made the decision to go to play Mo- at Monmouth University. And I was so young, like, I don't know anything about anything. And you're just basing this decision on, like, oh, this coach said this and this coach said this. And then it's, like, pros. And then you're, like, okay, this guy said, and now you're trusting your agent. It's, like, you don't know. And that's why trust is such an important thing with professional basketball. Yeah, I mean, but it's more trust in yourself. It's like a Spider-Man. It's like a leap of faith, like literally every time. Yep. Because uh, there is so much unknown. Like the one thing, part of the reason I retired when I did, because I could have played longer, but, you know, Korea has a role where you can play for the same team for three years in a row, then you have to change teams. Mm-hmm. So in my time there, I essentially played for two teams. The first team uh, and the the I played for one team to start, then I had to switch for a few years. Then I went back to the team I started on because that's the team I liked the most and they liked me the most. Mm-hmm. And the idea of having to even go to another team in Korea and start over just hoping everything would work out, I was like, nah, too old for that. I don't, I don't want to know if your team is cool, if your coach works, if your GM is stingy with the room service. Like, I don't want to know any of that. I just yeah. want to – I'll call it. Yeah. Damn, yours is different. We had like, I played for uh, Ulsan, and uh, we had like, we just were, we were in like almost like a barracks. Like you pulled in, and it was like barbed wire around, and we were like in this whole entire like. Oh, I know. Like you're, you're on the Hyundai plant. I played yeah. for Mobis too. Yeah. And literally, like, yeah. I tell people this. I lived where they make the cars. Yes. So did you? I mean, yes. if you had the the. You might not have been there when they had the new practice facility, but because that was up in uh, up closer to Seoul in the yes, yeah. area. But the the actual where we played the games was in Ulsan. Yeah, and there, yeah, we lived all in like basically like dorms. I want to uh-huh. call it like very old ones with brick. Yeah, with ten thousand blue jumpsuit motherfuckers out here like building cars. <laughs> not a, nary a woman in sight. Nope. Nothing to walk to, nothing to see. And that's yeah. how that coach liked it. Like, you're not going to see anything. You're not going to yep. do anything. I, w- I, my first year when, I, uh, when the season was over, we won the championship. I had snuck so many bottles of, like, whiskey into, into the – because there's one way in, one way out. And I had the, the yeah. big puffer jackets. Yeah. So I would just go to, the, like, the corner store and get, like, a Johnny Walker fifth. Uh-huh. Like, kill it over the course of the next couple of days and then leave it in this closet. And when I had to leave, I took all these bottles out, like 15 bottles, and, like, placed them in other people's rooms. <laughs> like, everyone had to have known it was me, but I'm like, can't prove it if it's Nope, you see it sorry. <laughs> My hands are t- – that's, like, it's crazy because I think I know exactly what corners – like, the store, it's, like, right down the road from the complex. Like, and I, we did. We, we ha- I was there when they had – it was 2008. 2007 what something like that and they, that's when they had like the new comp the new place so we would practice and live in like outside of Seoul and then we would fly to our home games I thought that was the strangest things in the world thing in the world I'm like we're just like we have a home game but we have to fly to our home game I'm like this is crazy 
it's so trash i hated yeah. everything about it. we won two championships and i was ready to retire then because i was like <laughs> uh, this actually sucked that team yeah everything about it is the worst basketball experience in so many ways but still yeah. it's still a lot of money and it was on time and yeah. again i was still i still understood korean basketball yeah. but if it wasn't for that it was like holy shit man like there's nothing like playing for that team within Korea. That is the worst version. That's what, and I feel like that's what I was going to ask. So there's, there's better situations in Korea. Like you could have gone and it's like fucking fun. Yeah. My, the team I started with and the team I ended with, uh, yeah, they were there when you were there. Dongbu. I think yep, they were called yep. when you were there, green and white. Yep. They, when you were there, they had the old arena, which is where I started, which is very small. It's like, yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Like a 2000 seat arena, but they built like a new 10,000 seat arena like in the same complex okay and then they moved all the players to this apartment building that was right across the street so it was the practice facility the arena and the apartment were in like a one minute walking radius and then the rest of the town really developed over like the course of those like four or five years where they now had everything that's all awesome. and that was excellent that was top level the coach was super chill like we didn't practice too hard like I was also getting older so and had a lot of like clout so you know I could take a day off. I mean I wasn't abusing it but yeah. There was no taking a day off on Ulsan. None. Yeah. <laughs> None. <laughs> Not even, don't even think about it. Don't even mention it. Don't talk about it. Don't put it in someone else's ear. <laughs> it's so true. I like they would be like cuz you know I was I'm 6'10 so when they had the the height limit they're just like okay so here's the height so like I they honestly my agent was like when you go get measured at the KBL draft like slouch the fuck down so I was like trying to like get, make myself as small as possible so they listed me at 6'8 but I was like really 6'10 so I was like more of like you know I played like more of a four uh but they wanted me to like they wanted me to be like quick and athletic and I was like I mean you know I'm good at what I do so they were just like they would be like okay come on up after practice let's lift like li do all these leg exercises I'm like dude you're gonna kill my knee and then sure enough my knee popped and they were like all right get the fuck out of here <laughs> as soon as you said you'd gotten a major knee injury playing in korea i was like yeah i know why i didn't know it was mobus but it makes total sense yeah. i know why it's not <laughs> it's not hard to know they kill their own players i've never seen a place a country with more injuries than korea everybody yeah. is always injured i'm talking yeah. about the local players because these guys don't have a ton of muscle mass and they're doing like olympic weightlifting for some reason i have no idea why and then running like miles and miles that team yeah. in the morning you know you i don't know if you saw this up close but because the better the the americans don't do this but anybody who's basically like a rookie or playing under a certain amount of minutes has four practices in the day and when you're down in ulsan because the arena is probably five to seven miles away from where the dorms are yeah they run to practice before every practice all the young guys and then so they barely played that. any minutes and they're hurt all the time yeah because they just haven't had any rest yeah. they get one month off and then they go back to like being in this bubble basically yeah uh yeah. of training that's absolutely insane it is and it's a shitty bubble like it wasn't like you know like people shitty bubble yeah there's no food like like you were saying like room service i was like oh shit you had room service i was like they would bring me down. I remember it was like a pregame meal and there was like, it wasn't lobster. It was like some fucking like half ass lobster. It was, and they called it something. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, 
they're like, here's your pregame meal. And I was like, like this is this is real life. Like I'm eating this before I'm supposed to play a game. All right. So it I'm sounded like a little... humble brag. It wasn't like full lobster, guys. It was, yes. it was half ass lobster. What is this? Just the tail? <laughs> Pardon me, sir. Oh, these are queen crab legs? Sorry. Fucking throw these in the river, please. So, Rod, let's go back and uh, kind of off of the basketball, uh, your art. Because it's like, this is your, your passion. And the one thing I love talking about is like, what, what, do, what do we do when we're finished? And I think that's like a big part of the show that we talk about. It's like, what do you do when you're done? Because everyone's done at some point. And like, you know, we always have to kind of have that like side hustle, like, you know, what are we doing that we kind of start building up as we go. And then at the end, it's like, all right, let's put this into motion. So talk to us about how you got into this art. Yeah, I think you said something important just there that at least in my time, nobody did, which is build any other skill other than basketball. Uh, now it's more commonplace, but yeah, I, when we, you remember the, they were called TAM, like team awareness meetings in the D yep. league. You know, we'd have these meetings and some guy would come in who, you know, is paid to talk to us, obviously. And he'd look around the room and say, like, who here has a plan for after basketball? And no one would raise their hand, including yeah. me. But everyone would look at me because they knew I was writing. And the guy would be like, well, why are you looking at this guy? And I'd be like, oh, I mean, I don't know. I'm good at this and I'm working on this and da 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 like, without a real plan. And I remember they'd always be like, this guy gets it. Like, no, I, I just used my free time, some of it at least, for something other than sex or video games. Yep. Like, just, so true. Just a little bit. Just give yeah. an hour to something else. <laughs> like, just anything else. No, you're on that gay shit. Uh, <laughs> so, when I, when I retired, I really didn't have a plan. I mean, I still am kind of winging it. I didn't really expect to go into art. Um, but I think art is like one piece of the equation. The, the true end game. And it's crazy because I had you know, deal with the Pac-12 network this fall to do, to call some of their games. But obviously everything in that realm is pretty much upended. But yeah, um, uh, I'd love to do kind of just everything, man. Like, I think the rules are changing about what someone does in general. If yeah. they're like an on-screen personality, they can do other things. They can have podcasts. They can be, you know, have corporate sponsorships. Like I do these videos for Wave TV. Uh, and they're stupid and it takes like five minutes, but I get paid nicely and like they get a lot of views and then I come home and paint. Um, but if I was to say like, if any athlete was listening, it's like, just do something other than basketball and you'll find what you want to do after. So if you so just true. stay so locked in, all those people are pretty screwed. Like they all go through this crazy depression period. They go through this uh, period of like, just trying to, take jobs after they've retired that like suck like like oh i need to go back to denmark and play for two thousand dollars like <laughs> no <laughs> definitely not doing that uh or they just try to coach and like i think people also assume that you just jump into coaching yeah. everyone in coaching quit right after college they're like oh, yeah. i want to coach everyone uh -huh. else is like trying to give workouts at their old gym and it's it's not sad because they're trying but it's like sad because they had so much opportunity to do so something else other than video games and sex. Yeah, it's so true. Like I think about, you know, I, you're a pioneer for me because uh, when I watched you and I wrote and I started writing, I was able to, to get all these ideas and blogs out. 
And now I've been able to turn them into a book that I'm like currently getting published. So like I had that and then I was trying to do the, do, do the writing. And then I was like, my mind was always trying to go two steps ahead. And now I'm trying to, you know, get, you know, another business going. And so I'll send you, send you one of these rod, just we'll, okay. we'll, we'll meet up and I'll send you an overseas famous shirt. Cause that's the new brand that I just started. So we'll, uh, I'll send you one of these, uh, you can rock around town, but, uh, it's always, you always have to have that, that, that next step. And if you don't think about that next step, even now, like I'm 40 years old and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do next? Like, what am I, I, I need something figured out next. And it's always, I'm always trying to, to jump two steps ahead and it's fucking hard. It's hard, especially if you like, like everyone's like athletes are so hireable and we are, but like, what? I always used to say, like, we went from working a, like a, a five, four hour day and like days off and stuff where you'd like fuck around and like get, get paying drinking for free and stuff. And then now it's like, oh, I have a real job like that. Like you said, that depression, it like kills you. Yeah, I think that the athletes so hireable thing is like, it's more true on paper than in reality. I don't think people are just high, like seeking athletes to hire. I, I really don't. I think that if anything, most people are scared of that or they're you know if you go on linkedin right now just type in the word basketball under jobs you know ten thousand things will come up but it's all like have four years experience writing and then you're like and you're like oh well i played basketball for 80 years and they're like god but this kid jonathan he's been writing for three years i gotta i gotta you know it's like yeah it it doesn't net you anything exactly Uh, (laughs) so I mean, they used to say that in college, like, oh, man, you go to Berkeley and you play sports, like, the network is huge. No, it isn't. Yeah. Maybe at Stanford, I don't know, but not at Berkeley, it isn't. <laughs> so you just got to, you have to do it on your own. And that's the one thing that I think makes athletes, quote unquote, hireable is that we should have some resolve after that yeah. long of a career. Yeah. So it's not that we're hireable, it's that we make ourselves hireable with that same resolve. I think that's a perfect way to, perfect way to say it um i think it's just it's funny because you just like thinking about mammoth i'm like i remember so many letters that i got and they're like oh when you're done graduated you you know here's the new york jets will definitely hire you in this place and this place and oh this alumni works here and i played and you know i got done and i was still playing and i was like let me reach out to some people so i can plan my next step and it was just like Oh, he doesn't work here anymore. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, this is not good for anything. I'm like, this is this is bullshit. Yeah, well, that's all recruiting, right? When I was yeah, being recruited yeah. to Cal, they were like, oh yeah, you'll you know how close we are to EA Sports. We know you like video games. You'll get an internship there. You're all American in volleyball. We got you. Like, you can play volleyball when the season's done. Literally, none of that was allowed. Like, none of it. I mean. <laughs> And I don't mean like by NCAA, although some of it is NCAA. A lot of it was just the coach was like, no, nah, you're not going to do yeah. that. It is, we got in a lot of like clashes because I'm like, I want to do other things. Yeah. And it, I remember Hurricane Katrina happened. This is how shitty NCAA is. And when I, it was like maybe my junior year. And this is my like big year at Cal. And so I had a buddy who was like really philanthropic uh, and like was in the business school. So he knew how to put something together. So we were going to sell shirts that didn't have any Berkeley logo on them, just said in Rod We Trust that we would sell to, you know, the students or whatever and give 100% of that money to Hurricane Katrina. Like, this is how we can help. 
and alarms went off in like eight different departments. And they're like, no, just don't do that. It's like, we, I couldn't even raise money for other people. Yeah. I was, I was so goddamn broke the entire time. <laughs> like unbelievably broke. Like Marshawn Lynch stole Kool-Aid from my house, which was the total value is probably $2 and 10 cents. And I've never been, I was like, he just ruined my life. He broke my <laughs> bank. I got nothing left. <laughs> so Marshawn Lynch, what you, are you, do you know Marshawn Lynch? Yeah, I mean, not like well, well, but like during, it must have been like winter break or summer break or whenever, like there was less people there. I had like a little party at my house. It was like uh, 10 people and he was one of them. And like him and his crew left with all my Kool-Aid, except for like ice or whatever flavor that was like experimental. They took all, yeah. all the, all the right. basic flavors and left the They one. left the grape one. No yeah. one wants fucking grape. <laughs> this is crazy. Well, Rod, honestly, um, this has been great. Like, thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, it's like, I felt like it's therapeutic for me to talk to you about Korea. Cause I was like, damn, he had such a good career there. And then it's like, Oh, Ulsan just sucks fucking dick. So I'm like, all right, that's like the reason why, why I hated it so much. So this is like therapeutic. It makes me feel better that there's hope for the league yet. Real quick. Yeah, uh, Rod. To, what's funny is, uh, a Mecca Okafor is out there on, on, uh, Ulsan Movis now. And before he went, he called me he's like, Oh yeah. So what I, I was like, Lock in, my guy. And then when the season was over, he called me back. He's like, everything you said came to pass. <laughs> everything you said. I could bubble wrap your knees and elbows. Do me a favor, Rod. Can you uh, just talk a little bit about you, any of your websites, your Twitter handles, anything like that? And then I want to grab some of that stuff from you. Uh, you can send it to Kevin or whatever. So that when I create the video, I want to make sure I link all that stuff for, our, once again, our, our eight followers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my website is rodbensonart.com. Uh, where you can see, I mean, it's pretty basic. I mean, it's essentially how old people view my art and everyone younger than 50 just goes to my Instagram, uh, which is at Jerion, Z-S-O-R-R-Y-O-N, which is my middle name. Uh, on Twitter, at Boom, though, still kept it after all this, after all this time. Uh, it's mostly just me posting one-line jokes, and I'm not a stand-up comedian, so... <laughs> they might be funny they might not be nice and what about what's up is that hat part of uh, your line i feel like i saw that on maybe one of your websites or your facebook yeah i just made this quickly after the uh after watching the last dance it says yep. cocaine circus on it <laughs> yeah i was like uh i'm kind of into that <laughs> yeah i got like little stuff like that on my website too but I mean, no one really buys it. I, actually, I sold a ton of these hats, but now they're just kind of sitting there. But, <laughs> well, Rod, this is this has been awesome. I really appreciate you hopping on. Uh, I, I don't think I've laughed this hard with a guest before, so this is awesome. Um, and you know, I think a lot of people listening take some advice. Always plan your next step if you're playing. And uh, this has been great. Thank you so much, Rod. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, on that, uh, you just reminded <laughs> me of uh, the Office. It's like uh, Andy. Andy says he's always thinking about the next step, like a carpenter who builds stairs. Keep that in mind. Be like Andy. <laughs> Thanks, Rod. You rock. I'll, we'll Appreciate talk it. to you soon. Thank you. All right, brother. All right. Such a good time. Uh, I gotta you. say, I think uh, this was one of our best interviews, man. Like this just—it well, didn't even feel like an interview, man. You guys were just talking. Yeah. It was just like uh, so so smooth. Um, I'm, I'm I'm excited to get this up on uh, on our outlets. It's awesome. Well, 
John, we've been we've been going hard. You rock, man. Thank you so much again, DJ John Hunt, uh, producing today and uh, also producing the book after I fuck up for 56 minutes and we get like 10 minutes of content. <laughs> so, yeah. You rock. I was like, that's what I said. I was like, damn, John, you're going to miss like a DJ gig because yeah. I'm sitting there like, uh, the fu- fu- fu. <laughs> that's all right. Little uh, six-year-old Penelope would have survived last night without me, but uh, it was a good time. Ten, ten six-year-old girls, man. We were we were rocking in the backyard last night. <laughs> Rock and roll. All right, brother. All right, John, great job. Talk to you guys later. Matchup zone. Don't like my women single. I like my chicks and twos. And these days, all the girls is down the road. I hit the strip club and all them bitches find the pole. Plus, I've been sipping so this shit is moving kind of slow. Just tell my girl to tell a friend that it's time to go. Now tell me how you love it. You know you're at the top and all the heavens right above it. We
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.